0: But why don't you welcome Brian for us? Well, that's that's better, isn't it? <laughs> that that's really worrying because um, I did actually move the button as I got up, which I hope I hope you didn't hear me singing all that time. <laughs> I didn't forget to do it. <laughs> anyway, some books there that you can buy if you want. Not that many, so uh, make sure you get one if you were really hoping to get one. Uh, cash or uh, bank transfer, and the details are there. And also. Just to say that um, my work I love to do seasonally and I have four particular events through the year that I invite people to participate in. So one is my spring walking retreats in Hampshire. One is my autumn walking retreats in Winchester. And Kent isn't too far to come. I had someone from Macclesfield the other day coming down. It's that good. Um, and, And then I do a series of email um, email series in Lent and Advent and the difference I suppose between that resource and, and, and most others you, you might get is that I, I, write, I write them in the moment so day by day and a community forms and a community responds and shares creative responses and so it becomes a, a sort of living, breathing creative project in the moment um, so, if you would like to to get an invitation to those just occasionally when they come up there 's a, there's, there's a, a, a sheet there where you can leave your name and email address and i 'll put you on the very occasional uh, mailing list. What an evocative and delightful subject to be asked to come and explore with you encountering god i mean it couldn 't it couldn't be better, could it. Um, so, in God's grace, may we be immersed less in ideas and more in encounter itself today, Lord. Oh, Amen. I'd love to start just by saying that by, by definition, um, there must be, because of God's nature, an infinite number of ways to encounter God, mustn't there? I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. I just thought about that as we were as I was preparing for this. So this morning in an hour, this is just a very, very, very thin slice of some of the things from my own experience that I've found helpful. But I, I hope that even in the thinness of the slice, there is depth. There is depth. There certainly are as many ways to encounter God as there are people in this room today, aren't there? Because God has made each of us uniquely. I praise you, Lord, says the psalmist, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Perhaps there's a way God has met with you in particular, or seems to meet with you, that speaks of how you encounter God in the way that God has made you and the way that God encounters you. Because the, the crucial thing to remember today is that this is, this is two-way, isn't it? This is all about relationship. It's not about a consumerist experience of. It is about stepping into this relationship. So today isn't is not 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 a how-to, in the slightest. But it will be as we go a, a very gentle try this, which I much prefer, as um, E.F. Schumacher said. Now I haven't done a PowerPoint presentation since before COVID, <laughs> I, but 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 I, I thought I've got seven. Bite-sized points this morning. Okay, so I thought maybe I should... um, Oh, there we go. There's point number one. Strangely warmed. That's the headline of the first point. And E.F. Schumacher, the German economist who wrote a brilliant book called Less Is More and, and, and was celebrated as a very wise man, said, an ounce of experience is worth far more than a ton of theory. If you want to put that in, in Christian terms, and um, Charlie was talking about seeing this weekend more as a retreat, actually, you know, than, than something about something. Um, the the uh, Christian mystic and retreat leader from the turn of the last century, Evelyn Underhill, said, we come to deepen our contact with spiritual realities on which our lives life depend when we come on retreat. Uh, To recover, if we can, our spiritual poise. I love that. Maybe this weekend we can recover our spiritual poise. We don't come for information so much as food and air. And We'll step out in the second half of this this morning to take some air, to wait on the Lord, renew our strength for the sake of the world. So always, you know, stepping back in order to step back in to bring uh, the love. An ounce of experience is worth more than a ton of theory, so I could read up on all sorts of things about one of my favourite birds, the kingfisher. But there's no substitute for that moment of encounter, is there? As you're walking along the river and suddenly you see an arrow of neon blue. Anyone else a fan of uh, the kingfisher? I mean, it's an electrifying moment, isn't it? If just on the odd occasion you're blessed enough to, to see one. G.M. Hopkins wrote that beautiful poem as kingfishers catch fire and dragonflies draw flame. And as for the kingfisher, so too for the creator of the kingfisher. I think it's when we encounter God that we are set upon that journey of transformation. As, As Wesley said of his own experience, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And that was the moment that he began his incredible journey. So I'd like to invite you for a moment, just just where you are for yourself, to think back to an encounter that you have had. Don't worry, by the way, I'm not going to be asking you to share all morning with each other. You might share back to me on occasion. But just... in in the privacy and intimacy of a moment with God now as I play a little bit of music, perhaps there is an encounter that you can look back on that just set you upon your way. And I'd like to invite you to almost re-inhabit that moment for uh, a minute or two now. I'm going to play a piece of music by Benjamin Gustafsson called I Heard You From Afar, which I thought was quite uh, appropriate. Would anyone like to just give me half a sentence of an encounter that you had with God? There's no pressure at all, but sometimes it's really nice to hear the experience of of the community. Anyone from where, where you are? complete clarity about the way forward thank you Walking in the garden and hearing God's voice. Thank you so much. Thank you. The realization that I want some more of that. The realization that I want some you want some more of that. Yeah, that pull. There must be more, as the song puts it, there must be more to this. The soul calls out. Thank you so much. So just. Expansion into warm space. Thank you. What a beautiful phrase. Please let me encourage you to be creative with your responses today. Just just for yourself. Because you don't need to say what's expected of you. God has placed a creativity within you that perhaps hasn't yet seen full expression. And there are as many ways to encounter God as there are people in this room today. Thank you so much for sharing uh, those brief, brief snippets. Whoa. There are no rules for how to encounter God. It would be absurd to try to establish any. If anything, as Gerard Hughes once put it, God is very much the God of surprises, of course. Imagine the disciples' shock after the crucifixion when they were gathered quaking in the upper room and he walks through the wall and says, peace be with you, which apparently is the vernacular for hello, which must have been one of the weirdest hellos in the history of all hellos, mustn't it? God is the God of surprises. So, so let's stay very, very much today open to the mystery and wonder of God and all that we don't know or can't even quite expect from God because that whole chunk is just such a rich and beautiful area of encounter, isn't it? However, that said, God is not capricious. I'm reading Homer's Odyssey at the moment. Yes, I am. Because, because my daughter has just gone to study English at university. So if you were here last night, there's a, another circle, and I want to read her text with her, if I can, if I can keep up, so that if ever she wants to chat about them, then, then we can chat and see if we can uh, join some dots together. But. That Greek text was written before the time of Jesus and it's full of capricious and angry gods who play with the humans like a kitten would be playing with a a mouse. This is not our God. Sometimes it's good to remember that cultural context, isn't it, into which Jesus steps, actually. We take it for granted that God is love. <laughs> He's not capricious. And I, so I believe there are certain ways, practices, to help ourselves become a little bit more present, aware, as, as Rick was saying this morning, um, more present to the God who promised that I will never leave you or forsake you. And one thing I've noticed is, in particular, that a little space can go a a long way. It can make a lot of difference. So I, I really love the way the phrase God is nowhere becomes God is now here. Just with one simple tap of the space bar on a computer. It's not that God wasn't here all along. If I go down to the depths or up to the heights, you are there as that same Psalm 139 puts it. But perhaps we've been so caught up, understandably, in um, getting ahead or staying afloat that we've lost what the priest and author Cynthia Bourgeau, one of my heroes of the contemplative Christian kind of genre, calls that natural intimacy deep within us. I know that, that rings very, very true for me. And so as we create a little space, as we're doing this morning, we seek to cultivate a natural intimacy again within us that is about encounter with God and God's encounter with us. Why don't we for a moment pause? You might like to close your eyes. And we'll just make one short bit of space. Wherever we are, we can create a little bit of space just by bringing our attention to our breathing. You might like to relax your shoulders for a moment. Did you notice you might have been sitting there a little bit tense, a little bit braced? Just relax. And just take a few slower, deeper breaths in through your nose for a moment. God is nowhere. God is now here. And we can make that space anywhere at any time, can't we? Before a difficult meeting, before launching into a creative project. When you arrive at the school gates frazzled already at the start of the day. Taking that breath as you arrive brings your awareness of God's presence into play, doesn't it? In your own heart, but then in the space around you as well. Third little micro point, then. I'm here and here I am. I think we can often put the emphasis on God turning up to an event like this, can't we? Have if, if you ever heard yourself saying, I really hope that God shows up tonight? <clears throat> but in the light of what we've just touched on, I think that God must usually be hoping that it's us who'll be doing the turning up. It's not very easy at all to be present, especially in today's culture, is it? And I you know, I feel for my children, um, it's just not easy to be present at all. We're thinking about the past constantly, going over stuff that's been said to us or that's happened. We're projecting into the future, sort of bracing ourselves against the next thing or preparing for it. If you're anything like me, Going through imaginary conversations about what someone's going to say to you, you know. Maybe we're somewhere else completely on our mental to-do list. I'm sorry to even mention that because you're probably now there, going there. It's not easy to be present when we think life is going to start happening just around the next corner around the next corner, when after that happens, life is really going to start uh, kicking in, when we finally reach where, wherever it is that we've really actually been hoping all along that we're going to get to. And all along, Barbara, the brilliant Barbara Brown-Taylor, the Episcopal priest from the States and, and author, says the reason that we can't often see the red X that marks the spot where the treasure was buried is that we were standing on it all along. She says, all we, all we really need is the consent to be where we are, and that's quite a big ask, but that's a, that's a spiritual challenge for us all in our own multifaceted context, isn't it? One of the first mystical encounters, I know it's a bit of a funny word, that mystical, isn't it? But... I think it, it helps to explain. You know, one of those things that you just can't explain that goes beyond the, you know, just write that down in a nice, nice statement. You know it's happened. You can't quite explain it. One of the first encounters that I had, which set me on a personal journey of discovery, was in an arboretum. And I'd gone there for a personal retreat. I was just beginning to awaken to... to, to kind of the riches of our Christian tradition around silence and stillness and solitude and all of that. Um, and I was standing there with some, some trees. And I was really present to the trees. I was just doing nothing other than just trying to be with the trees in that moment. And then I started noticing my hands. And this sounds ridiculous to say now, but I just suddenly thought, those are my hands. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of just where you just suddenly feel present for a few moments and everything is present, like it's not usually there. And I thought, these these are my hands and I am here. I'm here. I am here. And it was such a profound moment of presence that I feel as though I've never quite been the same since, even though I'm not living in that moment all the time. I know that, whoa, I am here. We're not, as Christians, looking for those magic moments. Because they kind of come as gifts. Don't? You can't make them happen. In fact, when you're trying to make them happen, that's when they kind of probably go and scatter. But there are simple practices which can help us at least Say, to be more present. You know, if you, if you want to see a kingfisher, there's no point complaining if you're not getting down to where a kingfisher lives. <laughs> to be more present then. It might be just something as simple as watching how the light falls. It's a beautiful thing. Just to, to sit in a room and watch how the light falls. Just do that for 30 seconds. Watch... Watch how the light falls in this room. I am here, and then we can deepen that a little. From that wonder and gratitude and consent that I am here to then almost giving that back to say, and here I am. So there's this beautiful, challenging word in Hebrew that crops up in the Old Testament that's spoken by several of the key players in the narrative, which is this word hineni, which means here I am. Abraham, Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, all say it. When God is effectively calling to them, calling them out, they respond, Hineni, here I am, which is, seems to be a word loaded with vulnerability, courage, willingness. And I love that sense because it again turns turns. The tendency we have to make everything into a consumerist experience. I'm here, wow, this is great. Into okay, Lord, then here I am. And actually, I love to say when I'm leading people on outdoor retreats, I love to say it as well, get people to say it to, to, to the trees, to the river, to the to the to the day, to the context, because it's all about finding reconnection within God's creation, isn't it? Relationship. Here I am. I'm sorry, I'm not looking at you as a consumer anymore. Here I am as part of it all. So I'd love to encourage you for a moment to close your eyes again and just imagine God calling your name. I say imagine because you might never have audibly heard God calling your name, but God has given us an imagination which we can use prayerfully. So imagine God calling your name over and over, almost as though someone is trying to awaken you from sleep, just for 30 seconds or so. now i'd like you in your heart just to respond hineni here i am bringing yourself to god to this moment to this community afresh in openness willingness and vulnerability hineni here i am hineni here i am hineni Here I am. Hinani. Here I am. It places us back again into... The relationship acknowledges God's encounter with us as much as our encounter with God. So we're just going to take this one level deeper again before we then pick up the pace. Okay? Are we Okay? No, this is not normally the pace that we do Saturday mornings at, but I hope that you're just beginning to settle into the space a little. Um, Perhaps one of the reasons God might not be so immediately apparent in our day-to-day life is that it seems that it's not in God's nature to make God's presence forcefully felt. The theologian Sarah Coakley brings really helpful attention. I I, I came to this recently via a theologian friend of mine called Stephen Backhouse. He was telling me about Sarah Coakley's understanding of a Greek word, which most of you have probably heard of, kenosis, um, which appears in the hymn that Paul quotes in his letter to the Philippians, which is reckoned to be potentially the oldest bit of writing in the, the New Testament because Paul's letters came first. And this hymn was clearly in circulation that Paul is quoting from. So people, it's quite, it takes us all the way back to the beginning, really. And um, it speaks of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider... Equality with God, something to be grasped, used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And that phrase, made himself nothing, kenosis, can sometimes make us think of Jesus almost being like a complete blank, a void, It's often translated as self-emptying, which is a lovely phrase. But she says there's a a nuanced way of looking at it, which and she gives a a, a nice little um, illustration. She says, you imagine somebody with a really strong presence walking into a room, and they've got a big ego. They walk into the room. It's filled with their ego. You might have had a conversation with someone this week in which the space between you was just filled with them. (laughs) And there's Jesus who walks into a room, metaphorically, literally, with potentially the greatest presence in the universe. And somehow, he, he holds that back in order... To make the space for us. A space then for us to come alive, to actually expand into His presence. So she calls Jesus the gentle space maker, which I think is absolutely beautiful. It's a gorgeous phrase. And while we can sometimes rightfully be looking for God out there or walking beside us, let's remember that he loves to make space within us. Um, The Christian uh, author and contemplative writer John Eldridge reminds us that God has created our inmost being. And Eldridge uses what I find really helpful picture language. As I say to my kids, this is picture language. Um, metaphor to describe three parts within us that I'd like to share uh, with you for a moment. He says that we have the shallows, the midlands, not the midlands, you know, not Birmingham, but, uh, and the depths. And the depths is where he says, God loves to meet us in the inmost place. You have formed my inmost being. Psalm 139 again. To meet God there, he says, we, we, we pass through the shallows, through the midlands and into the depths. In a, just in an intentional prayerful practice. Um, so may I again invite you to close your eyes for a moment or two. And let's first acknowledge... The shallows and all the really good stuff that goes on there, all the multitasking you have already done this morning, all the juggling that's meant that you've been able to get here, all the stuff that you've done last week from the washing and the cleaning to the tidying and the sorting and the admin and the work and the whatever it is, well done. Now, just smile for a moment, and just for a few moments, we're going to leave that behind. And just descend a little deeper, coming into the Midlands, which he says is that place where we carry all our deepest cares, actually. Our yearnings, our aches, some of the stuff that keeps us up all night. God knows. And God cares. But it's really interesting because he says that actually sometimes we can be so fixated on the stuff that we care about so much that it can end up just you know, being between, coming between us and God because our eyes are on the stuff all the time. So we can lay them very tenderly into God's care for a few moments now, at the door almost of the inmost place as we head towards the depths. And John Eldridge suggests just one simple line that helps us to do that for a few moments. Which is, I give everything and everyone to you, O Lord. I give everyone and everything to you, O Lord. You might like to say that in your heart or even out loud with me now, just a few times over. I give everyone and everything to you, O Lord. I give everyone and everything to you, O Lord. I give everyone. And everything to you, O Lord. I give everyone and everything to you, O Lord. And now let me invite you to step into that place of your inmost being where God waits for you. So glad that you're here in this moment. Just as the music plays for a couple of minutes now, an opportunity for you on what would otherwise be a busy Saturday morning rest in the gentle space maker's space within to find God within and to be found By the way, just for a moment, as you're in that space... If you struggle to think of a space within, you might like to think of your favourite space, your favourite kind of space in life. It might be... um, like a beautiful chapel or building that you've walked into that's just so gorgeous or a gallery or the favourite soulful cafe or or the space if you're sitting behind a tree where the space opens up between the leaves and the branches and it's like this ah, sublime space just imagine for a moment that Your inmost place can be as beautiful Mm. as that where God loves to meet with you. What I'd love us to do for a moment is, just to change the energy a tiny bit, may I invite you to stand if you would like to, and just give yourself a bit of a, a shakedown, and why don't you just turn to the person standing next to you, oh no, he said he wasn't going to do this, don't worry, don't worry, only share, only share what you want, but just just one thing between you that maybe you've remembered from this morning so far, or you've noticed, or you found helpful, or that you've connected with—just it for one and a half minutes. Run around now. Go. Okay, okay, just finish that sentence or so, and sit down, we're not, does anyone want to share anything they've heard, or you know, just, just, just bubbling up for you before we continue, it's lovely to hear different voices apart from mine just half a sentence personally i always find it really hard move, move, and stuff yeah 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 and the, the depth of so yeah yeah thank you hard, helpful the 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 shallows midlands and, and and depths but hard to hard to get beyond the all, all, all the cares and everything which i think is why why that sentence is really helpful you know I give everything and everyone to you o oh lord and you can remember that actually just leave it there step into the inmost place with god it'll still be there when you come back so just it's it's in a sense to give you a rest from that because everything if we get if we get the relationship in place first, then proceeds from there, doesn't it? So actually perhaps there is there is almost like a, a just a subtle shift in quality of the, the, the nature of those cares and even the stuff in the shallows as we recalibrate that relationship with with God. Thank you. Anything else? Half a sentence? Like a dog gets close to us. Thank you. Thank you. There's so many lessons from creation, aren't there, that we can, that we can learn. One more? Life in general. Life, eh? I think you summed it up there, Miles. <laughs> we, we can probably stop there, actually. Thank you. So, tiny bit space is space within. I'd like us to earth things now, ground them, because we follow the God who encounters us in a down to earth way, don't we? In the Word made flesh. And that's how God created us to be in flesh, grounded. in the creation narrative in Genesis 2, I love this. God shapes a person, Adam, from the dust, from the earth, and breathes life into him, spirit, and he becomes what the King James Version calls a living soul. It's the first mention of the word soul in the King James Version, and I, I love it because God takes two things that are usually set in opposition to each other, matter and spirit, and instead of them being braced against each other, there is an embrace, and God creates something greater than the sum of the whole from the two soul. The goal is soul, as Bono once said. The Hebrew word for soul is nefesh. I don't think I've put that on my PowerPoint. N-E-P-H-E-S-H. And that means all sorts of different things, as most wonderful Hebrew words do. But its overriding sense is of the whole of your being. And wholeness is important. Which is why soul, for me, relentlessly connects us to the whole, to the sense of the more. There must be more to life than this. When our soul stirs, it's connecting, it's reaching to connect with that sense of the more, with the sense of the whole, if we let it, of God's kingdom. And we can connect straight back to that point of creation with something as simple as, As our breathing. So I would like us uh, to once again return to uh, our breath for a moment, and you might like to close your eyes. We remember that. God spoke creation into being. God speaks us, in a sense, into being in every moment. And at the same time, there's this wonderful thought in the Jewish tradition that we, you'll have heard of this, I'm sure by now, that just through our very breath, the sound of our breath is like the Hebrew consonants that comprise the word Yahweh, God. Yod, hey, vav. Hey, the breathy consonants that just sound like breath coming in and out. So there's this beautiful natural intimacy that even as we are spoken into being by God in every moment, that the name of God is on our lips. So giving thanks for the gift of breath and life now and taking some slightly deeper breaths, Just imagine being breathed into being in this moment by God. And imagine for a moment that it's God doing the breathing for you. Yield. Just let God do the breathing, be breathed through. As God breathes you into life, you might for a moment wonder too, what is God breathing into life through me, through the uniqueness of the way I have been created, through the uniqueness of my path, the way I explore life and faith, and the way I then express my life and faith in action. What is God breathing into life through you and through this beautiful community of people? And don't you love, by the way, how the incarnational example of Jesus, the Word made flesh, reminds us that life is not about escape from this world on some kind of plume of spiritual incense, but about embrace. He takes us always from embrace to embrace always. So just imagine for a moment Jesus restoring Peter after the resurrection on a beach at sunrise having built a charcoal fire physically with his own nail-scarred hands and cooked fresh fish upon it. That charcoal fire, John uses the same word to remind us of of the charcoal fire around which Peter denied Jesus. But in this moment, fresh fish, sunrise breakfast. I've just had a breakfast at the Holiday Inn and I got excited enough about it. The Premier Inn, sorry. Can you imagine what this breakfast would have tasted like the taste, the smells of the water, the fish, the sight of the sun rising. The simplicity and the physicality of this loving embrace, which also offered, ushered in something utterly cosmic in terms of the new creation, the risen Christ. It's all met, it all embraces there within the simplicity and physicality and the taste of fish, and, a, and I imagine a physical hug. So our encounters with God are earthed, aren't they? They're grounded in real things like the breaking of bread and the pouring of wine, in the rhythm of the seasons. In the smell of bluebells, or the touch of grass under our bare feet, or the taste of a strawberry, or a chestnut roasting on a fire, or the sunrise and sunset, or sound of the dawn chorus. Something that's been made beautifully in the goodness of creation. The the earth is the Lord's, and we are relocated in communion with the Creator, in this place where spirit meets matter so exquisitely, I wonder when does your soul stir? Could we just shout out one or two places, moments where... Your soul stirs as the, the music continues for 30 seconds. Mountaintops. Likes. Hmm? Likes. Lakes. <coughs> Seashore. Seashore. View from your window. airports. Oh, exciting. Thank you. Studio. Artist' studio. <laughs> Friendships. Friendships. Blue sky. The fan of a Say it again? The fan, the, the fan vaulting of a cathedral. Thank you. And there was one here, running. running. Moon, stars, and the planets. Sorry, say that again. Deep bass notes. Thank you. Thank you. So, just for yourself, again, imagining your your soul stirring to reach for the more of this life, the whole. As it's grounded in what's before you and around you. Around what has been created and what you can help create. Soul. I love the word soul. Takes us into a different kind of dimension. And it connects us to the whole. So. Ah, oh. God, uh, John O'Donohue. soul is a dangerous thing to have. It makes you restless, links you into the infinite, whether you like it or not, and won't let you rest happily in your mediocrity and escapism. Another reminder that this isn't just about consumerist experience. Yeah, it's about there's a job to do. There's something more for each of us. Just, just loving that. We are part of the whole, very briefly, I, I had another encounter, another kind of epiphany when I was, when I was outside once, when I was actually running, and I ran, I ran down this pathway, and there was this gorgeous view opened up, and I just said, thank you, God, for this beauty. And it was the only time, I think, no, maybe a couple of other times, but it was one of the very rare times I felt as though I heard a voice back. Was it out there? Was it in here? Was it in, I don't know. But it just said, you are part of beauty, and that was a massive paradigm shift for me because it placed me within, not set apart from taking, taking photos. We are part of the wholeness of God's creation. Rowan Williams said, we're not consumers of this world. We are in communion with it. So one powerful thing that you can do, and I believe that I've put this on your sheet for, the, for, for later this morning... Is to imagine, just to stand in a, in, a, in a place outside, just look for what you can appreciate and then pan the camera back in a sense to imagine God seeing you within the scene as part of it, as part of uh, the beauty. Wendell Berry, the poet farmer, uh, talks of uh, the maker's joy in what is made, the joy in which we come to rest. Being in nature is absolutely critical for me. And I think that there is something about encountering God through the year that is really, really helpful. So, you know, you have the four seasons, each of which has its own voice, doesn't it? And actually, you have these wonderful moments in between. You have the the solstices and the equinoxes, which remind us of the rhythms and seasons And cycles of which we have largely been disconnected because you can buy strawberries all year round and all of that sort of thing. And I find autumn to be one of those seasons that just really, really takes us deeper into the truth of the wholeness of of life in God's kingdom. Partly because it is a season of, 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 of paradox, isn't it? It's, I mean, What do you think of autumn? It's like, oh yeah, it's beautiful, but the nights are drawing in, the leaves are falling from the tree. I mean, at the moment, it's going to be stunning, stunning this morning. But Parker Palmer talks of a hidden wholeness, the paradox of a hidden wholeness that autumn speaks of almost uniquely. So there is leaf fall and there is decay. But there is fruitfulness. John Keats' Ode to Autumn poem, which was written in Winchester, which is why we do the Ode to Autumn walks in Winchester. Um, He he, he spoke of um, autumn conspiring with the sun, how to load and bless with fruit that round the thatched eaves, the vines that round the thatched eaves run. He talks of ripeness to the core. So to step out into the seasons, for me, is a way of encountering God within creation in a way that we simply cannot encounter God anywhere else. To stand within it, to face the leaf fall, to remember the harvest. It's harvest this weekend, isn't it? And to, and to embrace that. And, there's, there's, and there is one um, practice, one prayerful practice that comes uh, courtesy of a guy called Philip Roderick, who started the Contemplative Fire Movement and the Quiet Garden Movement. If you haven't come across Quiet Garden Movement, look it up, because it's about creating spaces for people to come in and connect with nature. If you've got a good space, good garden space, and you'd like to open it up to people contemplatively, you can through that. But, but So he says, it's, we, we tend to create a world of opposites, don't we? So we think of light and dark as being ch ch whereas actually in God's kingdom, in God's creation, they meet, that they're, they're part of an ebb and a flow. We think of death and life like that, but actually in God's creation, they're, they're part of an ebb and flow. So he, so he has this little hand prayer, which I find really, really helpful, and I'd like to just take you through it for a moment now, because it's another practice that helps us to embrace the whole. So, you might like to stand up to do this if you want a bit more space or just sit where you are. And imagine, just with your hands slightly apart, one hand being, let's call it light, because we're facing into darkness now. And I'll talk more about that tomorrow morning. <laughs> one hand light and one hand dark. And instead of them being opposites, what we do is we just prayerfully bring them slowly together. And there we go. We have a prayerful posture there. And feel the warmth of the meeting between your hands. And then you can just turn your hands then into embrace. And he has these lovely words. Come home to yourself in this moment as the two are reconciled within you. Let's do that now for just death and life. One of the great mysteries that we can't understand but that autumn brings us into, brings into focus, just bringing death and life together in God's grace, feeling the warmth of the meeting, the embrace, bringing that to your heart, come home to yourself, he says, as the two become reconciled within you. And then finally God and us in this encounter that we seek, that we express, feeling the warmth of the meeting, the embrace and we just pull those two towards our heart, come home yourself as the two are reconciled within you. Sometimes practices like this help us to inhabit the mysteries that we can't solve here, but that our soul connects with when we step out into the rhythm of the seasons, which we're going to do this afternoon. So, just finally, for a a minute or two, Parker Palmer, I've mentioned him a couple of times. He's a Quaker educationist who writes very sage and beautiful Christian work. He wrote a beautiful book called Let Your Life Speak, um, and I've mentioned him a couple of times. But he says about autumn that when we embrace its hidden wholeness, its paradox, when we stop trying to push away the difficult stuff, actually, then our life, we can find a life that is real and colourful, fruitful and whole. And talking of fruitful, any encounter with God bears fruit, doesn't it? It bears fruit. From the energy that we gain to depart on the next leg of the adventure, perhaps to the love that we can bring with us, to that place that we're going to. So St. Augustine says, um, faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. It's a good line, that. And um, there's a U2 song, Walk On, which paraphrases him. We're packing a suitcase for a place none of us has been a place that has to be believed to be seen. I've been thinking a lot about this recently because <laughs> I'm glad you noticed that. You see, you, you see what I did there? <laughs> I've been thinking about the suitcase a lot because my, my daughter Mercy has flown the nest. Down to Exeter to, to read English. So we've been packing her <laughs> physically, literally, and, and metaphorically. Been speaking a lot about she's really nervous about going. Excited, but nervous. And so I, I've been using that line with her quite a lot. And we've just been thinking, well, actually, we don't know what it's gonna, how it's going to pan out, what it's going to look like. But we do know that if you pack something like God's love, If you carry that with you, the encounter that you have with God into the place in which you're going, and believe that that love can ripple out, then you are helping to form that place even as you step into it. So, the beautiful thing is, of course, that people will encounter God uniquely and beautifully through you, even as you are encountering God. So I'd love you just to, for a a, a few moments now, as I just play one final uh, piece of music, to think, to imagine, stepping in to whatever the next steps are. And what you would like to take with you, there's so many different little practices, some of which I haven't even got round to speaking about this morning. But we'll touch on a few more at Hush tonight we'll, we'll at the 9 till 10 slot. We'll do a little bit more contemplative practice. But this is not all about just simply sitting around doing nothing, although we sit around and do nothing well first but it's then about carrying it out. So I'd like you just for 30 seconds or so to to stand if you would and just, not just, it's really bad when people say from the front just. I would like you to close your eyes and imagine that you are stepping in from this place of encounter to the next place to just... One step along the road, you're carrying something that perhaps you've reconnected with this morning. You've been reminded of, about who you are in your own God-given createdness. with the way you encounter God and God encounters you. something that you're going to put into that suitcase, or something you're going to take out. And maybe within it all there's some love and curiosity and wonder and reconnection. a a reviving sense of breathing in and breathing out and becoming the person that God has created you to be for such a time as this so that as you bring that awareness of God's presence those around you are blessed because they encounter God's presence in you be so. May it be so for each of us, may it be so for you as a community this weekend. In the name of Jesus, Amen. And that lovely bit of music is from one of our favourite family films, We Bought a Zoo. Yeah, it's good to have some uplift, isn't it? Walking into the sunshine, come on, we can do this, Amen. Have It's time for coffee. Fantastic. Please take your seats. Um Brilliant. Thank you. I live my life stuck in intellectual ideas. Stuck in busyness. So I said to Brian, when we come to do this weekend, could we find the wisdom in practice and experience as well as just intellectual ideas? And Brian, you've done that for us this morning wonderfully. So should we show our appreciation? Thank you.